Coffee Chatter, lucky number 13 podcast, James. Back at it again, lucky number 13, baby, with, uh, should we name the guest now? David Graff. Mr. David Graff. G-Raff, everybody. I hope we can get him to crack out of his shell. He typically doesn't really like saying his opinion. No, I've never really heard him <laughs> speak his mind outside of the, about the sport or anything, so I think this will be an interesting one. This, this is going to be a good one because we can just talk openly with him and he's just going to answer the questions. Yeah, this is really great. Like, yeah. I'm in here in Papandale. We're gonna, I'm gonna sit down with him in person. So uh, I think that'll be great. It'll be awesome to hear his opinion on the sport and just hear some in-depth stuff about him because he's a pretty. Uh, I want to be, let's say, like a scientific guy about our sport. It'll be interesting. Yeah, he's a very interesting guy. Honestly, he's he's a really intelligent guy. Obviously, a hell of a racer. Almost won Manchester. Um, likes to share his honest opinions, and I think we'll have a really good chat. Yeah, I think so too. It'll be interesting to hear. So. Winning starts at the Great Gate, as David Graffs has, and he almost won Manchester on the Pro Gate Europe. Pro Gate yep. Europe's the official World Cup sponsor of the uh, Pro Gates of the World Cup races, World Championships, and Olympics. And David has a good start, huh? He has a good one. He ripped one off on that Pro Gate in Manchester. Oh, and that oh. man, holy smokes. Oh, the kid was hot. Yeah, he was working it. I was, uh, I was bummer to see him slide out, because... Like I said, it really would have been interesting to see him and uh, Kai battle the finish line because yeah, he, they were hauling ass. They were. They were. I think G-Raph would have had it. He has that track pretty dialed too because he spent some time training there before and um, he was on it. Yeah, I know. He's really, he's become such like a consistent rider these past few years, I feel like. He's, I feel like he's always at the top. He is and he can, he's got a good package because, you know, before, I will ask him about it obviously in this podcast, but one of the things I wanted to talk to him about was kind of pre-2015 years um he was good and always in the mix but kind of like 2015 then especially 2016 he changed from uh, a guy in the mix to a guy battling up front every single lap hmm. yeah that's really interesting man. i wonder what something changed in his program or if he just found something that clicked for him because yeah that's a that's a big jump to make really especially yeah because at that point so he's three years older than me so he turns 30 this year so he would have been mid-20s um and to kind of reinvent himself uh, later in his career is, is really impressive, actually. And look at him now. He's probably at the peak of his career, and he's turning 30 this year. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like he's still getting faster. And people always say stuff about age and how you, you know, get older, it's time to kind of slow it down. But no, he seems to be speeding up. So that'll be interesting to kind of talk about. So, yeah. So obviously, we listen to a lot of moto podcasts. And I think it was Jeremy McGrath. He said, you, no matter what age you start at, you basically have like five, six peak years in the sport. True or false, hmm. you think? I, uh, I I think false. I don't know. I think some people can have like a couple years where they absolutely peak, but you get a couple guys that come in early and who are really fast from a young age, and they seem like they're just up there constantly. So I don't really know if that's true, but what do you think? Hmm. I see his point. Yeah, I, I get that you kind of hit a stride in your career normally where you're like, hey, I'm feeling it, and you kind of just get in a rhythm for, I guess, those years, and you feel like everything you're doing, you can just bang it out consistently. But I do also feel like there's some guys that have been in the sport longer, I guess. Maybe they're just one and done, so like me. Like they've, I don't know. There are people that have done longer and are people that have done shorter, obviously, too. True. I think you can be at the top for a long time and over a, a big portion of your career. But it might be true that, you know, for your absolute peak, it's, you don't have those few years. I don't know. Yeah. I think there's a big thing about, I guess, in BMX, at least where I see it, is like some people come in from junior and they come in with some hype and they do have like a couple, maybe one, maybe two years that are super strong. And then they kind of get into the mix of the elite class more, and it's like they realize how tough it is, and then it takes another year or two for them to like uh, 
almost get back to that top spot again. Does that make sense? For sure, yeah. I mean, it's tough to do year after year. It's a, it's a, it's a long season. It's a tough sport. It's crazy in our sport talking about that. It's like the difference between being like a guy who doesn't get a good gait and can always race from the back to then all of a sudden being elbow to elbow. The racing style is so much different. It is much different. And honestly, if you're not, it's I think the toughest spot is like it's either good to be one of the top guys that can hole shot or be someone who's like shitty starter who's starting from the back and who can come in hot into the first corner and make some moves. Because if you have like a good first straight, but you're not quite out front, you kind of get caught in no man's land because you're not battling at the very front, but then the guys behind you can come in with more speed and, and make a move on you in the first turn. So you're kind of caught in that dead zone. Yeah, you kind of get boned half the time. You get cut off like late down the hill instead of like early. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, how about Anthony Dean? We want to touch yeah, on that too before that. we got Literally, into... It was like the day of Sam's podcast. So bad timing for us to hear about that. But yeah, Anthony Dean, new ride with Formula. Did he say how many years? No, I didn't think he said how many years. It was just uh, that he finally you know, signed a deal with Formula. So That was quick. I mean, I'm sure right after he posted, I'm sure his phone was ringing off the hook with people that wanted to sponsor him. Yeah, honestly, yeah. And I don't really know the company very well, but I do know they're pretty big in Australia. Um, so, I mean, it doesn't surprise me after hearing that they're from Australia that they picked him up. They've been around for a long time. I mean, they, like, back in the day, they had Donnie on the team. Um, so, yeah, and Elise wrote for them, too, actually, when she first turned pro. So, they've been around for a while, and I think they've had different management, and I think they're kind of getting revamped now. Okay, yeah, see, I didn't even know. But that's cool. I mean, yeah, carbon bike, everybody's going carbon. Seems like everybody's making them, so. Oh, was the formula carbon? I didn't realize. Yeah, carbon, I think. Uh, I don't know if the forks are come with it, carbon, too. I don't know exactly, but speaking of okay, speaking of frames, carbon frames, one of the things I want to talk to uh, Graf about, do you remember a few years back he was supposed to do a deal with Prophecy? Oh, was he? Really? I remember hearing about this, and he was going to be working on his own, I, I don't want to say his own frame, but he was going to be working on the specs of the Prophecy with him, I thought. Oh, I don't I remember that. Somebody messaged the chat about it, too, coffee chatter. Something I want to ask him about, whatever happened to that. Oh, yeah, I don't remember that happening, actually. Yeah, so we'll see. Maybe maybe it's all a lie. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I mean, we'll that sounds probably accurate. Yeah. Um, you want to do this rant before we get into the graph, or you want me to do it? I'll let it rip. You do this one. Okay, riders posting cliche race captions. First official practice tomorrow at the World Cup, then race. Like, bro, find <laughs> something new. Just anything. Post something interesting. Oh, arrived in Papandale. First official practice kicks off Friday. No one gives a fuck. We all know when the race is. Seriously. Post something cool. Like, post what you're doing at the hotel. Post. Give us something. Like, I'm tired of reading a hundred of the same captions. I'm tired of reading a hundred of the same captions. Yeah, I mean, I would be too. It's, it's annoying. Even I'm the one that does it half the time. And it's annoying, isn't it? I know. Like, take, like we said, take an extra five to ten minutes when you're drinking your coffee and doing nothing in room 312 <laughs> at the Papandale Hotel and actually write a good caption. Sorry, you have no time to think of something else. <laughs> practice went well. Excited for racing tomorrow. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, practice went well. Really liked the track. Here's a video of me lighting everybody up on fire in the gate on practice. <laughs> That's a separate rant on the road when somebody gets a good gate in practice. It's like your first warm-up gate. You get absolutely roasted, and they post that one. Oh, I know. Oh, you know, you know this leads me to another rant. <laughs> Fucking Evans. So, Evans. Kyle, if you're listening, I'm calling you out. So in, in Rio, in Rio, one of the last gates in practice, he did a gate with me and Tuan. We, neither of us had a good gate and Kyle lit us on fire. Straight up, he lit us on fire. Neither of us had a good gate and he had a good one and he killed us. 
He posted it during practice then, and then he reposted it months later. <laughs> Sweet, bro. <laughs> Kyle is calling you out. Terry is calling you out, buddy. I love you, Kyle, but I'm calling you out. Yeah. Oh, that's too funny. I hate those too, though. But, but getting back to captions, come on. Come on, people. Collectively. Yeah. Put a little effort into it. Let's make it more entertaining. I know. Terry's given you guys examples lately. Make it entertaining. I know. Like like I said in the last podcast, Nick's good, and there's a lot of people that are good on social media, but so, like, there's just so many generic, generic captions. I know. Well, we should wrap the intro up here, because I've been told we're getting, ours are getting long, and we have Graf coming on the show here. He's going to talk for a while, I'm guessing. we can. Wait, wait. That. Who's telling him they're long? <laughs> I had Joris tell me they're, and Romaine tell me they're too long. Well, fuck Romaine. It's our show. We can do what we want. <laughs> You know what? Just because of them, we're just going to hum. I'm going to hum for like five minutes. <laughs> and they're just going to have to listen to a super long-ass intro. Are you done? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm good. Should we get into graph? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Okay. All right, James, with you in our Papandal studio, we've got Switzerland's finest. Switzerland's finest. Bronze medal at the uh, European Games. Multi World Cup podium, multi World Cup podium guy, world champ, bronze medalist. Yeah. David Graff. Hey guys, how you doing? I'm very good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the show. We're excited to have you on. Yeah, it's nice. I'm I'm a big fan of the show, so uh, was happy that the tech team reached out. (laughs) Our high tech tech team. You said the fans really wanted to hear from G Raff. They kept pull online. A lot of them have you on there. So. Yeah, they were messaging the uh, <laughs> they were messaging the story. They wanted you on. Well, I'm I'm okay with uh, the other guys, so I can I have one more podcast to listen each week. <laughs> Are you gonna listen to yourself back? Uh, probably not. We do it. We do it all <laughs> the time. Yeah. The and the out the the like the the after. <laughs> um. So how's this year going? Obviously, you started uh, 2019 with a couple wins in Oldsmar. Season, I'm always like I feel really strong going into seasons in the last like three years, and this year was no different. I was happy to to hold on to the whole shot on day one out of the first turn in Oldsmore and then repeat it on day two, and uh, yeah, the perfect start to the year and low down like a little a little less uh, less uh, performed in in Verona, but still had a good weekend there, and then uh, yeah, so far so good, and we went to Manchester. Yeah. So- <laughs> You boys, uh, you train in, in Florida in the off season, right? Yeah, we we go over there pretty much every like last two three years. We go there and stay three weeks in the Tampa area, just to have uh, access to the Old Smore and the Sarasota track. And uh, yeah, it's pretty good down there. Yeah. Do you do you like starting your year in the U.S.? You get kind of a, uh, I guess in Europe they don't really have races early in the year, huh? Com- com- I guess besides the indoor ones. Yeah, well, I don't really. I've never done the Avignon indoor race and the, the other f- small French races. I I stick to Saint Etienne at the end of the year, and that's uh, pretty much it for the indoor for me. And I, I really like to to kick things off with uh, with Oldsmar with a big Supercross race, and everyone's there, and then you see where you're at, kind of. That's Ch- like the first pre World Cup of the year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's a big one every year. Yeah. All right. Well, okay, but first I want to talk to you a little bit about Manchester. Okay, obviously you had a really good beginning of the year, but even now Manchester, you were, you're on it too. Um, did you guys practice there in the wintertime a little bit? Yeah, I've, I've been there this year quite a few times. So I've been there in January twice, Yeah, and then went back for the C1 race, and so the World Cup was my fourth 
fourth trip of the year to Manchester because yeah, we, if we if I'm not in Florida, there's not much riding going on in Europe uh, until beginning of March. Yeah. So we kind of chuckle around and and do trips to Manchester or or south to Verona if if needed. But yeah, I've been there quite a few times and I like I feel comfortable in there. So and the World Cup was going very good for me. So I, f- I felt I felt really strong and uh, struggled a little bit on day one in the semi. Which like with Ron Curell, I think it was Jeremy late too, and he just pulled me. He's got one hell of a one, two, three. That guy. So it's. Uh, I mean, I had a really good weekend fighting for podiums both days, and what happened in, uh, on day two in the mains, like it's a real bummer, sure. And yeah. It, it pisses you off if it, if it happens. But I was laying there on the ground. I was like, fuck. How did that happen? <laughs> I, I, I I don't know. I I haven't lost traction in a turn by myself in like five years. Yeah. And then it happens in probably the worst moment ever. But yeah, I was laying there and was like, oh man, Joris Harmson did that at the World Cup at home. Mm-hmm. Lost her, so he made it once, one straight look. <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. Yeah, like watching <laughs> watching the video, it, it didn't even look like you overcarved it or anything. It literally looked, looked like a normal line you were taking. Yeah, Kai, I, I went to, I went to congratulate, congratulate uh, Kai when he was sitting in the doping. Uh, pre-doping control seating and I was like yeah congrats man and he was like man what were you thinking going in that tight <laughs> I was like yeah I don't know I've been going in that tight all weekend it, it, it was possible I just got like I got there a little faster you could tell that I was maybe a little overexcited on the second straight by pedaling in the air and stuff which yeah. I usually don't really do but yeah I don't think I made a big mistake probably just not riding the second straight like I've used to and then try to hold on to the same line is that the first World Cup main you've full shot? Like, yeah. Leading? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, what a what a feeling! <laughs> yeah. yeah, it feels feels quite good. Hope to repeat it. Yeah, I can imagine. I was gonna, all I can think about in my head there was have you seen Pirates of the Caribbean when Jack's running along the beach and he's got all the pirates behind him. That's all I can picture. Him, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. If you have white behind you on that track, it's like you know you have to go. You got to be going. That guy's yeah. so fast. I was like his last straight. Even when he was leading that one too, I was like. That was impressive. Like, yeah, well, sure. I mean, uh, no, by no way I would say that was a safe win, you know. Like, even mm-hmm. though I wouldn't crash, it was, it was still, it would have been a fight to the line. But I was prepared and I lost, I lost the third place on day one on the last straight against Sylvain. So I, I, I did my work on day two and I, I <laughs> trained like the 20-minute warm-up was mostly going into the last straight. And Sylvain was laughing at me after, but I felt like I was really good on the last straight. I've never lost time, actually. I was watching times. Uh, comparing them to to white and stuff but he wasn't pushing usually on the last straight so yeah. by no by no means i would say it was a safe win or i had it in the pocket but sure to throw it away like, like that hurts yeah. yeah yeah for sure i mean i was heartbroken for you just because i know how much that would have sucked but anyway you looked really good in manchester man and um i'm sure you're excited for popping all this weekend it's kind of i always liked how you know manchester's a tight track and it's tough to race for sure and then we go to pop it's just wide open yeah, it's definitely the opposite. Like you couldn't, you couldn't do two races in a row that are further apart. And uh, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Like the weather forecast says uh, some interesting stuff too. So we, everyone's prepared for everything, I guess. And uh, yeah, it's gonna be a fun weekend. Like every every time in Papendal, the like just the infrastructure they build out there and the the guys that come in to watch. It's just an atmosphere that is really really good. Which. I felt like I missed it a little bit in, in Manchester. Like the atmosphere wasn't that great, other than for the GB guys. Yeah. Like it was, it was okay, but it was, it was. 
I had uh, better races there, like atmosphere wise. And you don't like it's a weird race because you don't get in touch with them. Yeah. Did you feel the same? Like I felt like because there's a two days, I felt like the stands weren't as packed as you have been. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the two day World Cup. Oh, anyway. thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a poor sports move, and that's we need to do that. And uh, I understand it, but like if there would be any chance to have ten weekends with a one race weekend uh, i would i would definitely do that i agree yeah i agree especially at a world cup i mean you just it's so prestigious i don't think we should have two shots at it i think we should just have one but obviously like you said we're in we're in bmx in manchester, in manchester jory's one day one nobody no one talks about that he, he won day one well i think he made a podium day two too you know or like we got a fourth on day two but yeah who cares kai won day two he won you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's so weird yeah, and I think back in like you know a couple of years ago, we had maybe four or five per year. So if you won one or you know got in the main or podium, it was a huge deal. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy that I have a couple more chances now, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you do? You like what kind of style do you like better? I'm curious. Manchester or Papendal? Style of track. Well, Manchester suits me quite well because uh, I have a really good like hill time at the moment and like the exit speed. It's good, but there is at least one guy out there that is uh, killing us on a on a long first rate. So I'm trying to, or we all trying to hold him off this time. But yeah, I like the big tracks. I like to open up, and I like to I like to go as fast as I can. And Manchester is always kind of like you're up there and you're looking at the first turn, like oh man. <laughs> <laughs> then switch off your brain and just go. Yeah, yeah. So uh, gotta, you you boys figured out a, a designated Neek stopper yet for this weekend? Yeah, I, I don't know. We tried like Renault in Verona. He was in lane seven on Saturday in the main, and we were like, "Oh, like, come on, Randy, you got a you got a really good snap. Just turn right, one one for the team." And he didn't want to. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I have to do it myself, or like we have to have a group together that goes on the same speed as him and just try to hold him off. I mean, it's possible. I, I, I was checking videos from last year, and it's possible to beat him, but it looks ridiculous if he hits everything perfect. He's just destroying us. Yeah. That's crazy. I watched one of the videos from last year too, and I think it was the main he won, and he must have just got it perfect because like, he put a bike into everybody over like, the landing of the first jump. Oh, the day, had, day one was insane. But we don't talk about that now. <laughs> hey, it's, a new race. it's a new race now. He's got to do it again. Uh, like, he has all the pressure on his shoulders and stuff. Yeah. So, David, kind of kind of looking back and getting into your career, kind of how you became to be one of the top pros in the sport, did did you race mountain bikes before BMX, or were you doing them at the same time growing up? Not at all. I, I raced BMX all my childhood, and then until I was like, I don't even know when I started racing mountain bikes, but it was more, there was no money at all in, in BMX, and definitely not on my level. <laughs> so I was kind of figuring out, and well, I tried four cross, and it suited quite well to me, and just like this all-in mentality in four cross was a, uh, was helping and uh, then I got hooked up by Nikolai Bikes and they well they paid me good money for the first year and good support and everything so I did like both and I did that for like three seasons maybe and then I started to focus on BMX again because there was nothing like when the UCI dropped uh, four cross world cups like it all like didn't work out anymore and the interest was going away all the the fast riders were moving out of the out of the sport and i had no interest in competing against the other guys so i was uh well, focusing back on bmx yeah that was kind of sad i thought when they dropped four cross 
Yeah, well, I I like I like the vibe of mountain bike World Cups. It's like BMX is so national team based, and everyone is with their national team. And at the mountain bike World Cups, everyone is with their team, and like the mechanics and all that. Like it's a di- it's a totally different vibe. So I really enjoyed that, and I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it in for anything. But I like the, the competition and the level we have in BMX is just so amazing, and I like to compare myself to the best guys out there. So back when Graves and Roger and all these guys were, I was already late to the show when I when I raced four cross. Like some of the top the top dudes already dropped out. So I was uh, I was just the last two years that were kind of good, and then it dropped away. Do you think some some people might call me a dick this, but I always like in my head because I grew up mountain biking as well, just because of where I live. I feel that there's so many BMXers I could probably transfer over to like four cross or like pump track and do really well. Do you think that's the case, or do you think that's just like me being a Saying like BMX is really good. Uh, we've seen we've seen guys trying. I mean, Sylvain did a couple of mountain, like four cross worlds. Yeah, Damien yeah. Godet did some worlds, and and sure you can you can go really really fast and definitely out on the first straight. But then when it comes to cornering and on a loose track and like it, the different. funniest the funniest worlds was Leo Gang when it was raining hard after the first day and the Sylvain and, and and the other BMX guys were just struggling so bad with the rain and <laughs> with the whole setup of the bike and. Yeah, you can tell there is more to it than just BMX racing. But sure, like if you can handle a BMX bike, you can handle every bike. You know? yeah. yeah, I'm sure there's so many different kind of nuances when it comes to mountain biking. For instance, if a BMXer goes to four cross, they probably have a really good gait and power, obviously. But then with loose corners and ruts and rocks and that, that kind of stuff, we're totally not used to it. We're used to perfectly groomed tracks and everything. Yeah, I'm definitely more impressed if there is anyone doing it the other direction than uh, the BMXer that goes mountain biking. <laughs> yeah, it's big time. <laughs> That's, oh, that'd be super hard. Your bike would feel like a little toy. Seriously. <laughs> Do you know Mathieu van der Poel, the road guy? No, I don't really follow road, actually. <laughs> Dutch road guy. Okay. I saw, I, I saw uh, him riding BMX on a video. Was it weird? Freaking impressive. Was really? it good? Crazy impressive. I can't, like, they try to keep it secret, but he comes from cyclocross. Okay. And he was freaking expressive. Really? Like, impressive on a BMX yeah, bike. Yeah, so, there is, there is people that are really, like, crazy in the other direction, but it's rare. Yeah, I can imagine <laughs> very, I feel like. Uh, so, kind of moving back to you here. So, we were kind of talking to you, like, it seemed like in 2015, you went from being more of, like, a semi-main guy to basically kind of just being one of the top guys, like kind of battling for those podiums in the finals. Was there something that changed around those years, say 2014 to 2015 and on? Or did you feel like you just kind of, all that training over the years kind of built out? Well, the big change came in 2012. Like I missed, I missed the Olympic spot in a really tight fashion. And I didn't really care that I, that I didn't make it because I wasn't on the level that that I thought was needed to make the Olympics. I was just, I was not even doing semis this year. And and uh, at the end of the year, I, I told myself, well, if you want to continue, you have to change something. And then Roger made the move from athlete to coach. And uh, Roger has always been a big influence. Roger Rindernecht yeah. has always been a big influence to me. And then he came in and was like, man, first thing you got to do, drop some weight. <laughs> like, I always thought that when you were riding and I never told you because <laughs> I was an opponent, you know. So I, I dropped like, I don't know, eight kilograms. I, was, like, I wasn't fat, but I was just chubby and okay. just taking it easy. I don't know. I was just enjoying the BMX lifestyle yeah, yeah, yeah. and, you know, just rolling along. And I made one main in 2011 at the test event in London. And yeah, I, and after that, I really, I put in a lot of work and uh, 
it just didn't pay out because I had uh, big injuries, like uh, the shoulder surgery in 2013, I think. And then, was it 2013 as well? With was uh, Auckland in 2013? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I broke my heel there. This took me like six months to get back on the, on like just walking. So it's uh, yeah. Like just injuries were really, really holding me back at the time, and I, I kind of struggled to, to get back. Like first race back, I broke my collarbone after the heel, and just it was just a down, down way. And and then 2015, I had a season going on was pretty good. Going into Papendal, I felt really good. Big crash in Papendal on the first jump in a semi, got knocked out, uh, shoulder injury again, and then really just barely made it to Baku for the European Games, and it just all happened. Like everything, everything worked. I had good first rates. I had a, and made the podium. Yeah. And from there on, I just felt like I can battle with those guys. And then the worlds obviously was a really good race for me. Yeah, it was a good one. You almost won that one actually. Well, I was leading it for like one second. I was <laughs> winning. <laughs> yeah, good move to get in there. Yeah. But like like most things, I guess there's no magic cookbook. Like we were talking to with Sam, it's just hard work and applying yourself. Injuries, they play a big role in our sport and I had a lot of injuries when I was like 16, 17, 18, around that time, a lot of collarbones and stuff and I was just going faster than my skill set allowed me to go at one point and then, yeah, this is holding you back and sure, there is no magic to go fast, you know, like just, it has to, everything has to play together at the end. Yeah, it really does. I see that, I feel like you see that a lot is where... Guys get really strong when they're young and they know they have to get more powerful, yeah. but they forget about the skill side of things and then they start crashing along. Yeah, you have like, to. They're just dangerous on the track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to lift everything at the same time. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the problem. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah. or a lot of times, and even when I was younger especially, I, I wanted to do so well that I just, I think I rode a little bit too excited at times and had some bad crashes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I had I had a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. This, this is throwing you back, like, not just physically, but just mentally as well. Yeah. Like, struggling, struggling to, to have that all-in mentality again. And, uh, yeah, so... That's a tough part, yeah. Knock, knock on wood, lately I've been, I've been, even when I crashed, I've been, uh, I've been walking away with it and uh, happy with that, yeah. Yeah, and especially year after year, if injuries kind of happen um, each year after year, it's like, holy crap, you got to keep taking time off and coming back, and it's exhausting. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Go ahead, James. Go ahead, James. I was just going to say, like, so now also we're talking about the injuries and stuff. It's later in your career now, um, but you still seem like you're able to kind of you know, get faster and faster as you've been older. But some people say, obviously, I feel like it's a little harder. People say, oh, okay, your age basically just be starting to slow down, but you don't seem to have that issue whatsoever. You know, that's just something to do with training or just your love for the sport. Well, it definitely has to do something with training. Training, like the love of the sport, is like, like just that's something training. that's a given, and you you have to you have to have that like internal motivation to to be at the level of your racing. But um, yeah, I'm I'm every year I'm trying to to find another solution. Like I've figured out that you can't stick to one plan over a very long time. You you just yeah. have to adapt your plan every year. And I feel like 2016, I had a really really good year physically. Uh, I was very like very strong on the bike and everything seemed to work quite well and then 2017 I maintained it okay. pretty much I, like I didn't make a uh, big moves and it showed in results as well I was just like staying on the same in the same area mm-hmm. um, and on to this year yeah I definitely made another big big improvement I, I feel like I've 
not not so much on my like if we talk PVs and hill times and stuff like that, but just yeah. the the consistency. Okay. I mean, I can do a session with ten starts, and each start is on the same level as I did last year, my best one. You know, like it's just like, and, and you guys know how that is, and yeah, and yeah. this helps so much when you go up that hill, and you know, man. I haven't had a bad start in like the last 20 gates. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why should it happen now? You know, just do what you do and, and you're good. Yeah. Yeah. When you have the confidence of that, you're like, your slowest gate is faster than your ones that you used to do. Yeah. It's a lot easier too because I feel like you can just relax a little more and then you end up having a better gate too. Yeah. No, that definitely helps. And, and I don't think the age is a, is that big of a, of a problem. I like physically, if, if you have all the injuries and all that like figured out, then they don't, they don't uh, bother you. I don't think age is uh, age is a problem until probably thirty five, yeah. but in a sport like ours where you don't make any money, mm-hmm. I think more the motivation that that our sport doesn't see older guys ra- still racing because at yeah. one point you have you go and like having a family or whatever and then at one point you just have to get some money and you know like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you can't you can't just live that dream forever and then push for your for your own goals and just think well it will all play out at the end you know it's kind of like i think that's the bigger issue that people are not pushing to like ride until 40 yeah okay like that's we a, see in that's a good point or in other sports where in like in the nhl i think they're the guys getting older and older and they still they're still playing good but they make good money out of it so it makes sense to keep playing you know and in our sport i mean at one point you could just gotta be real to yourself and say well Either I've accomplished all I wanted, or I might not accomplish what I, what I wanted. So I, I, I put a line here and then uh, look for something else. That's a good point, actually. And I think that's, I think that you're right on. Um, I think that's why a lot of guys stop. And even if some guys are really talented um, in their young 20s, but they don't have a sponsor and aren't making money and they're spending a lot, they get to a point where it's just like, why am I doing it, you know? Yeah, I mean, we, we all do it for the love of the sport and we love what we're doing, but well the love of, of, of what you do I mean I do that for 25 years now more than 25 years I'm racing BMX and at one point you just have to like well yeah you're not you're not doing that until 40 if there is no pay no payment coming in or not not like yeah it, I, I think I've seen it at one point and and in other sports they they can see it as a job at one point you know like when when the love is fading out a little bit maybe they can still push themselves because well otherwise you have to go work yeah, and I mean, they, that's their work, and yeah. you can't do that in our sport. So I think a lot of guys drop out because of that. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure Mary Strombergs would still be racing if he would have had a, a big sponsor coming and hopping, hopping on his uh, program. Like from what he was saying at the time when he retired, you know. Yeah, yeah. and l- like you said with the NHL, there's guys that still, you know, even if they're past their prime, they still love the sport and they're getting close to forty, but they're still making a mill or two a year. It, why? Why would you stop? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, that's real. When you're on a when you're a team sport like that too, as long as you're doing like the bare minimum, you can always help your teammates out to you know help the team. <laughs> the bare minimum. <laughs> you start sucking. No one's gonna have your back. Push you down the hill. Like they don't even talk about you on day two if you saw like if you suck on day yeah. two. If you did good on day one, no one cares. You know? <laughs> yeah, seriously though. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So obviously, David, you you've been close to winning some races now, some some big races. Um. Do you feel like, you know, maybe getting back to Manchester, do you feel like, you know, those races where you've been leading and you've gotten past or, you know, had a crash in Manchester, is there anything specific? Do you think it's kind of just bad luck or do you think you need you could do something to kind of close it through? I, 
I don't really believe in luck. Like every everyone, like a lot of people outside of our sport, always talk about there's so much luck involved in our sport, and it's still the same guys that win the races and the same guys that are top five every. every yeah, time. I agree. Yeah, I don't I don't see it with luck, but I like. Yeah, well, like I said, I I just didn't do what I was doing in every other lap in that main, and that cost me big time. And uh, yeah, well, hopefully learn out of it. And uh, yeah, in the past, like last year when I was leading Oldsmore out of the first turn, I don't think I was overexcited there. I was hitting, like I was casing that step up so many times. <laughs> like it was pretty much the norm to case it. For me. <laughs> it wasn't the norm to have a clean backside. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've, been, I've been leading a couple of mains and uh, I think I figured out mentally another, like I found another point mentally after Verona. That uh, in Verona I struggled with the fact that I felt like I'm the fastest guy out there, and then Nick came in after winning every lap, like or every race up leading up to Verona, and I felt like I'm faster than him and I should beat him, mm. and this I think mentally this was a problem for me, and then I I just didn't do my best in the main, and I learned from that and. It worked out pretty pretty good from there on. Like Solder, I, I was I was doing the the good the good starts and the good laps uh, towards the end of the race and in, in Manchester as well. So, yeah, I, I think I found another another piece of the puzzle. Like Grant uh, told me, um, yeah, there's like so many pieces, and I think I found another one. And uh, well, I hope it pays out soon. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Go ahead, your James. Post on a April Fools. <laughs> And you're kind of like, we're joking about retirement. And I remember reading it. I kind of fell for it at first because like, I just kind of scrolled past. <laughs> but then it was like, I was like, what are you talking about not being able to put it together? Like the 12 races in, or 12 laps in Oldsmar, he won every lap there and won both weekends. Like, I think he can put it together. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had a call from my federation like five minutes after I posted that. Really? Thing. Like, hey man, what, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> at least they cared. Yeah, yeah. That's hey, that's good. They cared. <laughs> Bro, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was, uh, it was a bad joke. Um, <laughs> but you mentioned bringing Grant on board, so how did that come about and how has it been working with him? Well, actually I was, uh, Roger, Roger went away after Rock Hill Worlds. He, like 2017? Yeah, he had, to, he had to focus on other projects and he, he dropped out of the program. And then we have Herbie, Herbie Krebs, he was the second coach of, uh, of the Swiss Cycling Federation and I like yeah it was working with him was was okay we everything was good and then at one point I heard that uh, or I got an email actually I got an email from Grant saying uh, hey guys I have a new email address not longer BC okay. no, no longer British Cycling I have this and this and I was like oh yeah he's, he's going so I sent him an email hey man you want to join our team I haven't asked the federation. I haven't talked to anyone. I was just like, "Hey, man, you want to join us?" And he was like, "Well, sounds interesting." Okay. So I sent uh, an email to the guys at our federation, the sports manager, and like, "Hey, man, I, there is a guy that worked nine years for British Cycling, mm-hmm. top coach. I want to have those secrets, you know." Yeah. <laughs> and they were really supportive. And like three months later, we had it on. We had him on the team and started started working together. Yeah. That's badass. Okay, I was wondering how that came up. It seemed pretty quick after. Yeah, I, I just like I got an email that he has changed his email address from British <laughs> Cycling to Gmail. Yeah, <laughs> that was the point that I like sent an email in and offered him a job. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <there you go. laughs> 
Has he has he helped you with anything specifically, or just kind of overall? Yeah, well, yeah. I, like we worked a lot on star technique last year, and uh, last year he was making my whole training plans and day to day training stuff, and uh, it was interesting to see. And and I did that my, by myself the four years or three years before that. So it was nice to give it away and and, and, and see how that is going again. And uh, yeah, we were like mostly working on star technique and getting that pattern in and, and, and just uh, getting that consistency that I, I feel I have found now. So he definitely helped a lot. And yeah, but I changed back to making my own training plans just because I got bored kind of. <laughs> I had nothing to do all day and I, I really enjoy doing my stuff and I think no one can invest the same amount of time that I do for my own plans. So I do my training plans uh, myself again, but still talking a lot to him. Yeah, that's good. I mean, obviously, he's got a lot of experience working with the British guys. And um, like you talked about with Stark Technique, I think he's done a really good job with the uh, the whole GB team. Because if you look at Evans, White, obviously Liam, they all start really well. Yeah, that was the reason I wanted him on the on the team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to get those secrets with GB? Did he have any secrets to give you? Like Probably we not. said, there is no magic, man. We, we expected the magic happening, but no magic. It Where's the quick fix? Where's the quick like, fix? Put something out of the bag and like, here it is. That's what we did. <laughs> but no, I didn't. You've had your bike set up wrong this whole time. You need to switch this and you'll be completely good. Oh man, if you would have been able to show me my bike setup is wrong, I would have been really mad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Grant, I want your help, bro, but back off. <laughs> Don't mess with my bike setup. Dropped right? it from the program straight away. <laughs> he's gone. Guys, yeah, like he's gone. Hey, David, what about your bike? Fuck this guy. secrets like sure there is some some stuff that they they figured out or they tried out and and found out that it doesn't work so we don't have to try that ourselves you know that's good yeah that's good okay but okay, i was going to talk about this later but i'm kind of now i'm into it the bike stuff so we were talking about <laughs> anthony anthony dean just got a new sponsor but you've never been a guy that really had a mainstream big bike brand yeah. sponsor is there any reason for that because i'm sure i'm sure companies would love to have a top rider like yourself on their team after 2015, I got an offer from Chase, or like they asked me if I if I would be interested to get on. And I like I told them what I would need, and they had they had no chance to make this. You know, like okay. he said, there's no chance we can do that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, the biggest company in our sport couldn't give me the absolute minimum I would need. Well, then I don't have to look further. Okay, that's like I don't I don't do that. And then uh, I. I kept riding with Nikolai because it was not the perfect material. Obviously, it was a heavier frame, aluminum frame, but I was able to do the geometry that I liked, and they were able, they were really supportive to build the bike that I really wanted, and try out different different things. And then after Rio, I just said, well, I want to be on a carbon frame. And then I was looking around and picked the frame that I thought I can adapt the quickest, and took a horror, and then. Uh, built some dropouts with a friend, well, actually a friend built them for me, okay. and to change the geometry just a little bit, make a drop the, the back end a little longer, and since then I've been on that frame, and uh, I wasn't really looking for any, like, I was thinking about doing my own project, but it's so expensive. <laughs> so I'm really happy that uh, Prophecy came in, and they, they came in and said, like, well, you know, we need to, or we want to do a new frame, mm-hmm. and... Here is a white, a white paper. <laughs> Tell us what you want, you know. Okay. And 
I was able to just tell them whatever I want, and that's that's how they got me. Okay. I was, yeah, I was really curious about it. I had that written down because I remember something like that happening, but I hadn't seen anything about that yet. Yeah, well, the the frame is hopefully soon ready. We we had like we wanted to produce in Italy. Okay. And the the like the factory that wanted to produce it, they went bankrupt, and they told us like at the last possible minute yeah, yeah and we lost like more than a year of time and a lot of money so <laughs> yeah that was bad luck or i don't know what the problem was but mm-hmm. so now the project moved and uh it looks good first first frame is done they have him on the machine right now testing him okay and then if everything looks good i i should get two frames this month okay all right so we'll it's a lot sooner, yeah. yeah what's your what's your bike setup like how do you how do you find the the setup that you like for a long time, I was just like trying to make it as uncomfortable as possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, going lower and lower on the front end and cut the bars even narrower and narrower. Like, like it was just ridiculous at one point. Yeah. And like I haven't really played with the with the rear end. Like Nick Long's frame is probably another two and a half, three centimeters longer than mine. So mine is mine is long, but not that long. It's just longer than a standard frame. Um, yeah, I, and then running, obviously running the, the small tires, 1.6 front and back makes the bike feel shit at the, at the beginning. Like, What's the, we got to talk about what is the reason for that? I, don't, I just don't see a reason to ride a comfortable setup when I can get used to a faster setup. You think does it roll better though than one seven five? Let's say there is a lot of there is a lot of guy, a lot of stuff. I think that well, let's spill the beans. Rotating mass for first, like yeah. Even if like as soon as you place your front wheel on the ground, it has to start rotate, and if the weight is further out, it's more mass that you have to rot. Like it's heavier and further out, so it slows you down more. What if the wheels are already spinning? Well, but it's not spinning on the pace that like you're accelerating to the bottom of the ramp. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> if you do a gate start, the only thing it doesn't spin is the front wheel for a split second. Yeah. Every everywhere else on the track, normally they're spinning. Yeah, but you have I to feel like you have to make it spinning. You have to make it moving. Like you, you start pedaling, and your your rear wheel at one point has to start moving, yeah. and so you have to get over the inertia and. You have to start moving the weight on your rear rear, rear wheel. No, it makes sense. I mean, when you, it it does make sense. You know, when you think about the physics of it, I just think it would. It'd be, is it kind of ske- <laughs> is it kind of sketchy around the track or in the turns? It feels it feels bad at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I could imagine. I mean, I mean, I mean, when I hop on a bike like with a one seven five front rear, it feels like a tractor. Yeah, it feels like a mountain bike to me. <laughs> tractor. But, but but yeah, I, I, you just. Like, get used to it. Yeah, okay, that's fine. It's, that's a, it's a race bike. I would never set up a play bike like that. Yeah, we talk about it all the time. Our race bikes are not good. No, yeah, race bikes, yeah. Are, like a, a good race bike setup, we've talked about this a lot, but it's not super comfortable. If I was going to just dick around on the track for a while and do manuals, I would have it set up completely different. Yeah, I, I, like, I, for a while, I made the joke, like, I gave my bike to people in the pits and said, like, if, you, if you're able to manual five meters, like, first try, I pay you a beer tonight. And so far, I had no beers to pay. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of good, though, because then out of the gate, you're likely not going to over-manual or whatever. You just come out and go for it. And on Supercross especially, we don't even need to manual, really. Well, it starts. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, straight up, yeah. But it's not like you're going to come out too high. You can just, just floor it. Yeah, well, I, like that, that's what Nick, Nick with, 
is a really long bike setup always uh, talked about and for me it's not just on the start it's on the whole track uh, like it's more I, stable I just feel the, the length of the bike is more stable yeah and yeah, yeah. all tires make it less stable you know so it's like uh counterbalance kind of trade-off yeah yeah no but i'm a big believer of one point like of, of small tires what about traction in the turns uh, i lost it <laughs> you can't you, you can't imagine how many people sent me hey put oh. a 1.75 on oh like, fucking brutal I that was the reason and i was like yeah thanks man right on you guys i've never thought about this you know i've never thought about this like even riders like yoshi yoshi came to me and she was joking about uh, riding a small tire and this is the guy that crashes like every fucking practice in <laughs> you know <laughs> call him yoshi yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. yeah, yeah. You ran a 1.6? But I did. And I, I slid on the last turn. I'm not going to say it's because of that. But in my head, I was like, oh, like, I thought maybe I'd have some more traction with a bigger tire. I don't know. I have right? I have crashed a few times, like, in turns. Sure, it happens. But then, you know, look at the road bike. They're running fucking ridiculously minimal tire. And they turn with 80k, 80 km per hour. They go down a hill and turn on a flat turn. You know, we have banked turns. I, I just don't like. I don't know. Doesn't seem necessary here. Yeah, I think there is there is other there is other setup changes that make for traction. Like, and not not that I not that I really look for more traction. Like if you would if you would release some air pressure, for example. Yeah. That would help. Should like way more for traction than running a, a bigger tire. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. No, it, but, it makes sense like, when you talk less about air it. pressure is really hard to ride in our sport. Yeah, <laughs> I just run my tires so hard they're like wooden blocks. problem to traction than running a smaller or a big tire you know yeah especially so, in a bumpy turn like for instance Papinol's last turn i think they resurfaced it didn't they uh, yeah yeah, yeah. but oh, yeah. but oh so my god like crap. you just hear your tires chattering in it it's gonna be like i i really believe the turn is worse than before we'll see how it's going for racing yeah. but you you remember rio when we first got on the track with the green turns and you couldn't see shit oh that's scary now that last turn is concrete and you can't see shit no. so we we were really like i i haven't figured the turn out yet I've, I've spent some time yesterday rolling around it but it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting one no no kidding yeah they, they still have the gravel going into the turn which i don't like <laughs> i feel like they could put another obstacle in there or you know just change it because you kind of you land that step down and you stuck waiting until you hit concrete yeah you can't do anything unless you've already set up and like to go somewhere. yeah there's people setting up there yeah what about the uh, skinny bars what's been the reason behind that you, ta- you were talking about you said you went like really skinny by the sounds of it well, not something i noticed as much in your butt. the narrower you go the more arrow you are okay was that your reason behind yeah, it pretty much okay i always figured like some people did it for like i feel like these are top speed your bike's not moving around side to side as much it's just yeah. kind of staying more straight there, like yeah there's different like if you want if you run wide bars it feels like you have more handle more pressure like more force going into the first couple of cranks you yeah. can like hold better against it mm-hmm. it's all easier to hold it straight but <clears throat> i've never really like I, I tried to figure it out and i i, I like the, the narrow bars i run them really narrow like 68 centimeters or something like that i don't know what like you know, I just, cut them. No, I, I cut them down a lot. <laughs> really? okay. yeah. 
So I barely, I'm barely able to put the brakes on. Graf, we need to get you some drop bars. Get really arrow. <laughs> we were just talking about that the other day. Running, running track bars the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> Run some track bars. Get a skin, get a skin suit, and just be arrow as fuck. <laughs> You're gonna see him in a onesie soon. We're a little thin off the uh, back we, of the we, we got rules, we got rules. I got I got punished for uh, cutting out my visor once, so I'm, uh, they look for me. I'm okay that they cut, they did that, because that just looked janky. <laughs> the no visor, what was with that? Was that aerodynamics again? It just, that, no, we don't need yeah, that. I, I made a main and got fourth that weekend. With that visor, though? Yeah, and then the next weekend they banned me. <laughs> <laughs> Someone got protested. Uh, All right, oh, so reading our notes to where we head next what's up next terry oh yeah so graph we've asked a few riders um and me and james talk about these kinds of things a lot but obviously the sport it's evolved it's gotten bigger and faster and you know all that kind of thing and being in the olympics and stuff do you do you see any issues right now in the sport that um you think we could change to make our sport better or maybe anything holding the sport back or anything like that you've noticed Into it and everything works on our side works really good and it seems like people at the UCI they they want to push the sport forward and they they really work like this year they I heard they invested in a better broadcast service um, more cameras with replays wow we got replays now you know? <laughs> well really you know like how can it happen that we did a full season last year without the replay yeah. you know I mean it's ridiculous and then yeah I just like you know, we, we're at the point when friends ask me if they can watch my race online, I tell them, yeah, you can, but it's pretty bad to watch <laughs> it online because you have to spend like your whole day. I know. Like, no, your whole weekend. Yeah. You have to spend like 12 hours this weekend to watch breaks where no one talks. I know. And it's, it's almost, like, a, yeah, I, I know. I, I really, I don't get it. Like, there's so much to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we were just talking about this the other day, me and Adam, our coach here. We were talking about how it's just like it just goes blank for so long, and at least I know we talked about the European Cups, like there were issues there too. But at least in their broadcast, they have those little interviews they've done of people before the race, yeah, like, and yeah. it's repeated. But at least it's something to fill the gap. I know, or but, go interview people yeah, in the pits or like whatever. Because in, in, in the Verona and the European Cups, you don't have commentators. That's the it's a comment, it's a speaker on the on the on field okay. that you hear online. Mm-hmm. But we have commentators, yeah, and like. When I, I was commentating UC, like the downhill worlds for Swiss television, okay. man, I was trapped in that booth for five hours straight and we were just talking. Yeah, yeah. Because you, like, you're not allowed to have like, more than maybe a 20 seconds mute time. Yeah, okay. Like, what, what do people want to see? You know? like, and, and there's so much going on in our sport where people, they don't catch during the lap. Mm-hmm. Well, tell it then. You know? like, for example, when... I don't know, Arboleda made the final on Sunday and showed some serious speed and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, this week, I would expect from BMX Live TV, well, go talk to him first, mm-hmm. ask him about his story, where he's coming from, what happened the last couple of years, how he made it to be like mm-hmm. fucking smoking us in a semi from <laughs> lane eight, you know, or in a quarter from lane eight. And then as soon as he's in the gate, you have something to talk about. Mm-hmm. But it, it just feels like the guys, they don't know much 
they don't know much about us and 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 you don't have to like you 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 have to know a lot about the top guys but you can also know a couple of stories about nobodies you know yeah i agree when when the nobodies in the gate in a in a eight final well say like talk about it talk what 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 is his story yeah like tell stories about us and the only thing they talk about is what happens on the track yeah and everyone can see that pretty much i mean it, i i feel it's good you need to commentate what's happening during the race but i want i really i feel like they have to step it up with background information just go around talk to people and then spread that information on the stream yeah it doesn't have to be an interview just go around with your mobile phone and make some notes you know yeah i i agree it, i mean at my work when i did the downhill commentating i did like 10 hours of work to like get information of all the swiss riders and then i couldn't just call minor and say hey man i'm commentating give me some info but in down in the downhill scene it's easy because there's all the big web pages you get all the infos from you get like who was injured who were like everything you know everything after going through those pages so i just made notes with everyone and i could just tell stories with the other commentator who had no clue of that sport yeah. and i didn't like i'm a bmx i'm another downhiller but it, yeah. it worked and i don't expect jason or, or rich to spend 10 hours to get information but they are here on on like on spot and just come talk to people and make notes and and write down history and then tell the history to people fill the gaps no i, I agree that, i think that's the biggest issue yeah. with our sport right now the like the way we present our sport is really bad and it's it was a first a first weekend so we give them another chance this week <laughs> i guess yeah. yeah i mean they brought in willers and and you could tell he was still nervous kind of nervous doing the interviews but it was a, like a first first weekend first time and uh it's it's a good sign that they brought him in and and and, and tried to make something but yeah, I, I think it still needs it, it still needs to step up quite a bit to like yeah, so I can tell my friends, well, you know, quarterfinals is scheduled at five PM. Tune in at five PM and they will you, you will get a like a recap of what happened before and you will get the info on which favorite already crashed out and which one made and who was the surprise and then you start with the quarterfinals. Yeah. And you have a show for like two hours or one and a half. Yeah. You know. And that that's that's enough. It's pretty easy to do that, right? No one wants to look six hours, you know. <laughs> no, especially on the weekend, people don't have time a lot of the time. And I agree with what you're saying. There's so many good stories that can be talked about, and so much. Like if you watch, for instance, NHL, NFL, you know those sports. They, if someone's doing well or something, they'll showcase the guy's background. You know what he's been through, that kind of thing. I think yeah. I think stuff stuff like that, so the people watching can get to know the riders instead of just announcing who's in the gate. I agree. This is all this is all like this costs money to produce background stories and videos and everything but i'm not even asking for that i know we have no money in our sport but you could just talk the stories yeah. and it would make it would make a big a big difference instead of just having the first turn on screen and no one talking for 10 minutes after the quarterfinal it was like whoa <laughs> you know uh, like you hit the you hit the arrow to to skip the next ten seconds and still no still nothing still nothing still nothing and you're like oh man is this stream still on goes for like ten minutes yeah right? and, and and it's just it's just crazy to see that and yeah I think I think they could tell a lot more on on screen like lap times make it interesting mm-hmm. I mean in we race each lap we race for that lap time yeah like tell the people tell who is 
currently the fastest guy around? Who had the fastest times on the hill in training and who wasn't able to put it down in racing and just get some analytics in, you know? We have Torsten, the timing guy who is working for UCI. Mm -hmm. uh, he's so good with giving you like all the information you want if you ask him. Okay. Uh, he knows everything. Yeah, I appreciate you find that all online easily too, right? Yeah, that's that as well. But he would like he could even just hand it to you like you see here. Here's a list of them. You know? yeah, yeah. But you have to ask him. Yeah. And I think they like step it up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That would be nice. Yeah. No, I would agree too, because it just seems like there's a lot we could do, like you're saying. It's pretty simple stuff. You're not saying to go pay these guys a bunch of money to do more stuff. It's just go talk to people. Yeah. You're already at the yeah. track anyways, just go talk yeah. to people. And not always to the same people. No. Like go go to some South American, maybe they're not speaking the perfect English and then you have Mariana next to them yeah. and they she can translate. And you get some snippets of information you can talk about in the next in the next break, you know? Mm -hmm. And that makes a big difference instead of just keeping it blank. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Yeah, we had, we watched over Papendal when we were at our house in Belgium. It was the same thing. Like we were it's just boring to watch. We were talking about that. Yeah, yeah. And you like, know, like last year, last year I was watching Argentina replay after the weekend. I mean, it was the last race of the season. Sure, like the top spots were pretty much done after the like the the overall was was decided. I think mm -hmm. or close to decided, but there was like almost no talk about the overall ranking. Yeah, why don't we hike that up? Why don't we talk about for, the overall? For some reason, like, it's a, it, like the World Cup overall winner. No one cares because there is no hype around it. It's so weird. It's so strange. It's a huge we title. Can, we would hype that shit up. It would be great, you know. Yeah. And then, for example, at that weekend, there was so much on the line for so many riders. In the French team, there were two riders that had their whole next year of funding on the line by making, you know, and, and you got to know this stuff. I had no clue. Yeah, like, and it makes it like you would cheer for you would cheer for Rocco Richard if you know, hey, if this guy makes a semi, he's in. He gets, he gets funded next, next year. year. Yeah, yeah. You know, you get the kind of a, like, how do you say, like a connection. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. you're rooting for someone, even though it's not from your country or you don't know that guy, but you know it's something on the line for this guy right now. Yeah. And if you know stuff like that, the race is so much more interesting. Yeah. Each lap, each lap, there is something on the line. Yeah, you know, and, and, and people have to know about it. Yeah, no, it's very simple something too, yeah, because if they feel a connection to a rider, it doesn't matter how it is, they don't have to know the person, they're automatically interested in how that person does. Make exactly, yeah. 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 yeah, UCI guys, if you're listening, these are free free advice here. Right now. <laughs> and, out there. I completely oh, man, agree, I, though. I've, uh, I've trapped myself in that hole already a couple of years back. <laughs> <laughs> Pe it's but yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, it's true, though. I mean... People want to people want to know who they're cheering for. They if there's if there's no extra motivation to cheer for someone, people are just going to watch it, and not really care, and move on. But if there's some sort of connection with the riders, people are going to identify with it more. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. like, tell a story, definitely, and especially when the weekends are so close to each other. Everyone remembers the weekend in Manchester. Go talk to the surprises and the the letdowns in Manchester. I mean, there have been letdowns as well. Yeah, straight yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. Go talk to them. Hey, man, what's happening? Are yeah. you better here? Yeah, are you feeling better? What happened? Yeah. It's different now. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, like, I just don't feel they're doing their job. Yeah. I feel like they enjoy like talking for the thirty seconds. Mm -hmm. But I feel like their job is more. You know? Yeah, I feel. Like and they should, they should do their job better. 
I think it would make it easier for them too if they just had the information. Yeah, to talk because about. it's it's kind of weird. It's like if you're on a date and you don't know what to talk about, you know. <laughs> you're just petting the golden retriever, <laughs> staring at each other. Just drink your water. Just look away, look at the menu. Oh, everything looks so good. <laughs> the weather is amazing today. You know, no, it's, like, it's, actually, it's, it's what I think feels like to sit in the booth and, in the booth and you don't know what to talk about. You know? Yeah, yeah. All right, well, next point we had, this one could go on for a while too. Yeah. This, yeah. But we were going to talk about like people talking about how old school BMX is better than Supercross. Obviously, you could talk forever on this. I mean, yeah. what, are you, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm all for supercross racing. I don't think we need the big hill, but now it's here and we have it and people like it, like ex, uh, spectators like it. I don't see why it has to go. Yeah. Like, sure, risk and reward and whatever, but I don't, I don't see so much more risk with supercross hill. If we, if we race on a normal track, you would build more technical jumps on the bottom of the, of the hill. and. You slam into the into the wall of a jump with forty five k kilometer per hour, uh, it hurts as well. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I I'm all in for supercross, and I like I like the format we have. I don't like the tamed the tamed tracks. Like it feels like all the tracks get uh, castrated. Agreed. <laughs> and uh, I don't like this, but I like the format we have. The the big tracks, the big hill. Like Baku was an amazing race, and and I just don't see what the old schoolers are hating about. You know, when I watched like, when I watch old ABA footage of the small tracks, mm-hmm. there is no passing, literally. And if there is passing, it's a shit move, and everyone has to be on the brakes and kind of like it looks so bad. And now you have laps where like I don't know, there is like minimum ten races where we had more than two leaders in a race. Yeah, yeah, Tori, you've always said that too, but how like. It, one, it's more exciting, and two, that there are there's a bunch of passes in the main events. Hey? I have no reason, I have no idea why people think that racing on like tight USA BMX tracks is better. There's no passing. It's follow the leader. The tracks aren't technical. I tell you, like, uh, well, I, I think we I know who we are talking about. <laughs> they are running a podcast too. Yeah, and and I, I mean, there's some of them like Dale and Hobbs, and they have their pace yeah, too. But, but I feel like there's more than just those guys. Yeah, well. but 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 the thing is, they see BMX as a job. You know, okay. I think I think that's the main problem with them. They think we should have BMX as a job because they had this back in the day. They were making money with it, mm-hmm. and most of us don't. Yeah. And I don't treat BMX like a job. It's not like I don't see that. Like I don't see that I go to work and I want to do that until like I'm fifty and stay healthy with it. Sure, I want to stay healthy, but I want to have fun racing it and. This stuff is so much fun, <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know what they have. They they always talking about, like, yeah, they treating BMX like it should be a job, and well, we all have fun racing this stuff. Like, or most of us, probably not everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I'm I'm not like I don't see many like I I can't take many points from them, in a positive way. I don't know. I don't see many positive points about small tracks and shit races. Yeah. I, I enjoy them both myself, but I agree. Yeah, I think I think the I think the racing is much better on Supercross. Not even because the hill, because I think and honestly, David, I think I agree. Like I think the hill 
we don't necessarily need it, but that being said, it's eye-catching and it draws fans to it and it looks really spectacular on TV. But I think just the fact that Supercross tracks are so much bigger and wide open and you can make a ton of passes, it makes for much better racing. Yeah, as long as they are wide open and big. That's the problem. They build Supercross tracks that are too small. Yeah, yeah. In Manchester, yeah. In Manchester I agree, we would better race from the 5-meter hill. Yeah, I'll completely because, agree, because yeah. could show what we have more. Yep. But in Pondal, on the first straight, you can show what you have. Yeah. Absolutely. You can show the horses Yeah. Supercross hill. And people... I'll let you guys, you guys here. What, do you think we get too spread out on Supercross, though? No. I don't, I don't always believe this, but what do you think? Don't no, I? not at all. I think... If you look at all the races, they're all so close. Like everything's so close. And it's funny when people think that or people say, oh, you know, getting down a supercross hill, you don't need any power. If we didn't need any power, then we'd all get to the first jump at the same time. But do we? No. I personally think we don't get spread out enough. Yeah, yeah it's very yeah. tight. It's For really example, tight. Of Manchester, it, it was pretty much impossible to get away. Oh, yeah. That one's special. And like there is so many tracks these days where... It's hard to make mistakes. Like yeah. I say that now after sliding out in a turn, but but I mean in Manchester you're, you're entering the third straight and you're safe, you know? Yeah, it's just manuals. And then, then you yeah. come to a track like here in, in Pottendal and you're coming out of the second turn and you have to hit that step up perfect because otherwise the guy behind you will catch you to the next turn, like with yeah. a clean pass. And I think we need tracks that you spread out more. Like Solder, for example, is too tight. Yeah, I agree. Because everyone is staying, everyone can ride that track pretty much on the same pace. Especially if you're behind someone, you can go at the same speed. Mm -hmm. Like you, you don't, you don't get away. Yeah, I'm a big believer in three jump first straights. Yeah, I agree. But I like the wide open tracks better. I agree. But do you think that on a World Cup circuit we should have a variety of both? Because look at F1 or whatever, they go to Baku and they can't pass, but then they go to a bigger wide open track. And we have, we have them. Like we have. But we have not enough of wide open tracks. Like yeah. Argentina is a, Argentina is a really small track. Manchester is a really small tra track. Solder is really small. I think Paris and Paris and Papendal are the only two wide open tracks. Yeah. And, and then well, yeah, then Rock Hill is good. Rock Hill is back on yeah. tour. That's really good. It's a wide open track too. But yeah, and then we have wide open tracks with amateur hills on the inside. So if you're standing in lane one, you're just pretty much safe. <laughs> you know, yeah. there is there is stuff we could improve, but I I prefer wide open tracks over the small tracks. And yeah. oh, well, here's something: if you're gonna have two star hills, what do you prefer, uh, supercross outside or inside? Because personally, I'll still prefer it having a supercross on the outside. I think it just works better for the first turn. I do agree though that. In that case, lane one normally has more of an advantage. If, um, if the straight is long enough, I would put it on the inside. Okay. If it's short. It's if it's like uh, Manchester, you would, I would probably put it on the outside. Or solder on the outside is, is like it would be impossible to get around if, if they would switch hills. Yeah. But I just like in solder, if you're in lane one, you're good. You can pretty yeah. move. Yeah, you got so much room. You can, you can be behind, and you still like. Eh, I still got this. I, I won races like this there, where I didn't I didn't hold shop, but I was just in lane one and, and and took advantage of it. And I think that's it's good that lane one is an advantage, but you you want to have the guy in lane one being nervous to yeah. get into the first turn first. That's fair. Yeah. I, yeah. Like otherwise, it's just too much of an advantage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, completely agree. Um, we're going to move on to the quick shot segment. Are you familiar, David? Yeah, I'm familiar. <laughs> we, got a, we got a lot of questions from fans for you. So, uh, James, you want to start us off? 
Yeah, I'll, I'll quickly say too to everybody out there, there were a lot. I already took some out. Some people already told me we need to like make it shorter, but there's a lot. So no, fuck, fuck what some, these no, people no. say, James. Who are these people? It's our show. I'm, I keep referring <laughs> back to Jorah, okay? Because he's the one that helps me out and gives me tips, which I'm very helpful. Does he even listen? Yours, does he but... listen? <laughs> does he does he even listen to the show? Yes, he's he's an avid listener. Okay, okay, okay. We'll give him credit there. Yeah, that's good. All right, but we'll move on. Okay, first quick shot question from uh, Dia dot what do you think is the best thing about BMX racing? Well, head to head competition. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Ad- at Adriana Dominguez, what motivates you to keep going even when you're having a bad time? I think I'm not done yet. I haven't reached my full potential. I like the answer. All right. From at uh, Tiago M8, are you going to compete at the Red Bull Pump Track World Champs in Basel? No, I don't. I, I won't do the qualifier because they told me I'm pre-qualified for the for the finals. But they they didn't launch the date and venue for the finals, so I hope I can make it there. Oh yeah, okay. I didn't know they didn't do it. At Mitchy dot thirty eight, what do you do in your downtime? <laughs> Collecting data. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, BMX are drinking coffee. Weird. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever get burnt out? This is just me question. Do you ever get burnt out from that? Do you do a little bit? Yeah, I felt when I got back from having training plans done for me from Grant last mm-hmm. year to making them myself again, I, I started sleeping bad, worse. And yeah. like, because you're constantly thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of have to push yourself to like take your time off and sure I do and watch Netflix stuff and yeah, yeah chill out and yeah but but yeah I, I can I can do that stuff a lot yeah I can imagine I feel like you would sometimes it'd be hard to take yourself away yeah. from like what's work and you have to like I realized that when 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 I do my stuff myself mm-hmm. you just wake up midnight and you have a fucking idea and you're like oh Okay, gonna make notes. <laughs> notes like four a.m. in the morning. Okay, I tried this next next training block, you know, and then back to sleep, and that just doesn't work. So you have yeah, to yeah, kind of yeah. like finish work somewhere in the evening and then start in the yeah, morning yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, from at Eric rides bike. I think it's bikes. Anyways, what's the best way to learn gate starts? That's a great question. Um, a lot of dead stops, dead stop sprints, just. Stop on the on the street and then do a kind of a gate start on the street, right. like gate movement, mm-hmm. and then do starts on the gate, yeah, like okay. a lot. <laughs> that's right. That's hard. Yeah, yeah, it's a good answer. At Hugo Oliveira fifty one, what do you think could be the next innovation on BMX bikes? I don't think there is much. I think well, there is there is stuff. Uh, I like. The weak spot right now of a BMX bike, I think, is the steer tube and stem stem handlebar. Um, yeah, I hope I hope this part will get sorted in the near future. I had carbon handlebars uh, last year. Unfortunately, they stopped producing them, so I'm back on chromo bars and feeling like I'm on a, on an old school bike again. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think handlebar stem. I hope I hope there is some innovation coming. What about this? Is another side note question. What about? Um fork and axle thing because mountain bike world is very different I know where I think you, what you buy the fork that comes with the axle but BMX it comes with the hub yeah is that right? stupid yeah 
like I really hope that Prophecy will bring the axle with the fork. I told them. Okay. Like we sell forks with axles in Mountain Bike World. Or are you saying that? Uh, for my for my frame project, okay. we do forks as well. Okay. So I I hope we bring axles with forks. Okay. Not not that they have to look for an axle that fits. Yeah. Because yeah. That it's just the axle is part of the fork. The only reason the BMX brands are not including it is they can adv like advertise the, the fork at a lower cost. Okay. And then they can like make it forty bucks cheaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they can sell them better. Okay. But that's pretty stupid because it's just a part of it. Yeah, no. No, fair enough. <laughs> I legit. Alright, from at uh, Tom Whitaker. What do you think of the new Zolder track? Zolder? Zolder, yeah. I think it got worse. Yeah. Yeah. In what way? I, like, I think it like second straight is too easy now. Yeah, I don't know. Like like I said before, it, it's pretty much hard to make mistakes. Like you can and on that track especially you can do mistakes and still keep your speed. That's pretty funny. Mm -hmm. So I, I think I think it's hard to make a difference and before it was possible to make a difference. Yeah. So I prefer to track before. I agree. What about the first jump? I agree with the second straight. What do you mean the first straight? Well, I like it. Like I like that you have the possibility to to do that. What I did with the pickup manual, mm -hmm. just because it's something new and, and and you if you risk something, you get rewarded. But yeah, I prefer big jumps. Like I train in Stuttgart a lot in Germany, mm -hmm. and they have like an old school first jump. You know, like the 11, 12 meter first jump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just amazing. Yeah. You get like now they re like they shortened it a little bit because they put asphalt on the lip. And I said, well, if you want to shorten it, just push it further. So they shorten it already because the girls wouldn't make it. Like, yeah, that's right. There was no way the women, women class, like the full women class would have been able to jump it. There was yeah. a couple, yeah, but not, not the full class. Right. Sorry, this is one of my rants I put at the end here. Okay. <laughs> oh, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Do it now. Fuck it. Do it now. Okay. What happened to gap jumps in our sport? Why did everything turn into a tabletop? Why does everything have to be safe? Our sport's dangerous. Let it be dangerous. One of the exciting factors, exciting factors was a gap jump, okay? And if you got cut off and you didn't know how to jump a jump, like floating it, you'd have to pull the brakes. What happened? In my opinion, I agree. That's what Supercross is. That's what Supercross is. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's dumb. Like, the, this is like, the double out of the first turn here is, I feel, it's like, the only fucking gap jump we've had to jump lately. And you can't imagine how weird it feels when you jump it. You look down and you have a big hole. It feels weird. It feels yeah. so weird to do a jump like this and then a berm jump too. I know. In the air and you're like actually having air time. <laughs> yeah. I know. So like, That's what Supercross is. Yesterday, uh, Ted manualing the second jump on the second straight here. Unbelievable. You know, it's, it's impressive, no yeah. doubt, but... Like, I love gap jumps too, yeah. Yeah, me too. You don't see in Monster Energy Supercross the guys are just jumping tabletops the whole time. Or like, or, ma or manualing. How dumb would that look? Yeah, that'd be so stupid. They build, they build triples and no one even rides the roller in the middle, but they still put it there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to rant about that one. That's good. No, completely agree. Completely agree. Um, where are we here? Uh, 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 okay, we'll go to this one. At Nickout. Do you feel more nervous in the final, or are you just more dedicated? Well, yeah, I've been I've been feeling more nervous in the final because lately I've been on a level that it felt like the race started in semis. You know, it sounds it sounds bad maybe, but mm -hmm. it's kind of like you get to the semis and now all the big hitters are in there and the race really starts. Until there, it was just like 
get everything clean and you're kind of safe. And then in the semi, it was like, okay, now get your shit together. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And yeah, I definitely had races where I was more nervous in the main or like most of my races, I was more nervous in the main than I was in other laps. Mm -hmm. And I hope I can let them behind. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Uh, from Cohen underscore Angelin, Angelin 2005. Do you think there's a World Cup win coming this season? Oh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope. Well, you never know in our sport, but I, I, I think I have the package right now. I hope it works, yeah. At Connor Hedges, describe your riding style in three words. All in. I can do it too. All in. That's all I need. Perfect. <laughs> Fair enough. I like that one. Uh, I guess that one next. sucks. Yeah, James, that one's, next one sucks. Go to Lackland. Thanks. <laughs> uh, I think we answered this, but we'll just put it in here again. From uh, Latch Lantris 20, uh, what bike slash setup are you running? I'm running a horror frame right now. Hopefully soon, a prophecy. Um, yeah, 1.6 tires, front, rear, narrow bars, low bars, uh, carbon cranks. What? Sorry, what size bars? I'm curious. This is I'm 7.5, seven and a half. Yeah. Okay. How are you? Um, yeah, most of the time 44.16, so pretty low gear. I guess yeah, 44.16. You got a small tire. Yeah. 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 At Raza49, who is your least favorite person to race against? <laughs> oh, man. That's a fun one. Like uh, that's my favorite question we ask people. Uh, least favorite person to race against? I, it depends on in what, what, how I look at it. Like, the least favorite... Probably Sylvain. I love racing Sylvain, <laughs> but... He's never giving up, mm -hmm. and he's always there. If you do a mistake, he's there. If like, he's al he's always just ready to to get in there, you know. And 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 also he's he can he can be quite like mellow all day. Mm -hmm. Like at the worlds, it was kind of like well, he he did good, but he wasn't the guy you looked for out of the gate and stuff. And that was in lane three in, in Baku. He was in lane two. And I was like, oh, I got that guy. <laughs> and this guy launched a gate that in the final, you know, like, and you're like, where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, that's, no, sorry, Sylvain. I, I, I love, love hate racing you. Yeah, that's like a compliment too. <laughs> James, who do you hate racing? Oh, yeah, on another note, Sylvain is uh, on the way home or already home. Oh. Oh, yeah, right. He got a call. Yeah. Oh, uh, shit. I forgot wow. about that. Oh, wow. But he wouldn't surprise me if he lines up on Sunday, man. <laughs> if he just rolled back Sunday, I wouldn't be surprised. That'd be classic Sylvan. Hey, that would be so classic. And Eva would probably be happy with it. Like, yeah, yeah, you go. You go. <laughs> I, I got this here. I got this here. Baby will cry all night. All good. Go. Go win that, baby. <laughs> well, all the best to you two. If you listen. Raza49, your move on Sam in 2015 Worlds, clean or dirty? Oh, it's fucking clean, bro. Oh, I, I call it clean. I was listening and I really loved your podcast with Sam, by the way. It was, uh, it was really, really interesting to listen. I listened to it and he said it's clean if the other guy rides out. Yeah. 
I wrote I wrote out. Uh, I lost I, lo- I lost the first position, but uh, hold I held on to the podium. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it was a, it was a good move. sometimes like i said because of the vibe at the races and just a, a different a really really different scene and i still have a, a bike all built up but it probably has no pressure in the air so <laughs> that the brakes won't work because it wasn't moved for like four years it doesn't be used anymore no no my brother rides it from time to time when he, <laughs> when he hits the track so all right we got another double shot at Citico bmx how much does your bike weigh, and do you train with a power meter? Um, to be honest, I don't know if you can probably be shocked. I don't know what the weight is right now. I think 6.8 kilograms, the race bike. I need to learn better kilos, man. I know we're Canadian, but I always know pounds for some reason. And <laughs> yes, I do work with a power meter right now. We've had this power meter for four years but it's so complicated to get the data out and everything so i just took it out of the box again now i saw it on his bike people i was at i was at press day i saw it on his bike yeah <laughs> I, I was i was using it on press day sitting on top of the starting hill with a tablet and just trying to hide it now now that everyone saw it so yeah we, we use a power meter to or i use a power meter and trying to get some more out of it but so far i've just collected data and not done anything with it is it like a custom one? I got this in my personal. Yeah, you have one hundred. Like you can go higher, but I do one hundred samples a second. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty good then. Yeah, yeah I remember the ones we've used in the past are not very good. Yeah, I think the the New Zealand guys had a really good one for a while, but yeah, like you know, you know, you collect so much data, and then what what you're doing with it is is the is the hard task, not the collecting. Yeah, honestly, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, I'm gonna turn this next one into a double shot. That's like a two-in-one. Uh, from Hauser.Freidelin. Oh. He says, who did you look up to in BMX, and who do you think is the GOAT in BMX? I was looking up to the guys like Robert DeWild, Allier, um, yeah, like the, the Volley France World Championships. Mm-hmm. Like It's one of the, the world championships I have in my mind when I was watching the elites and how they were battling it out. I think I'm pretty sure Robert won that one. And... Uh, yeah, that was the like the era, the guys I was looking up to, and obviously Roger for the career he did. Mm. And what was the other question? And uh, who do you think is the goat in BMX? <sighs> or we always say the A. Who's A goat? Well, Stromberg's for sure. I mean, just for his second pedal already alone, he's like. <laughs> 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 if you watch the replay of the Berlin World Cup. And just watch his second pedal. It's, I think there has never been a second pedal like this in, in, in history. And uh, I would call him and Sam because what Sam did is just like whenever he, he was there, he was A game. Mm-hmm. And Strongbergs was only when he wanted to, he was on his A game. Yeah. Sam was always, you know, he was always a contender. And Strongbergs had his races where he kind of like, oh no. I'm not feeling it today. Mm. <laughs> it's like, okay, nice. Yeah, they're very different. Um, yeah. At my BMXer, is the first jump manual going to make regular appearances on the BMX circuit? Like we said, bring back 
jumps. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I mean, I did in Rio and the, at the test test event stuff. Even at the, at the Olympics, I did jump manuals on the triple. That was was pretty cool, but it wasn't a lot faster. And yeah, if if a track is if it's faster, we will pick up manual the stuff. Yeah. I I don't see like we just do whatever is fastest. Yeah, that's fair. All right, uh, last one. This is a joking question, I think, from at Sylvan Andre BMX. He <laughs> said, "Did you slide out in Manchester because your legs are way too big compared to your chest?" <laughs> fair point. But. Just to remind you on physics, my center of mass is low. That shouldn't be the problem. Like a heavy chest makes you crash in turns. Sure. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I can't I can't see that now. Yeah, Sylvan, if you're listening to this, buddy, he's, he's telling you. No, I, I, I think you're wrong with that his, with that story or that theory. Bench sorry. press for the beach pod. Yeah, I'm not bench pressing, sorry. <laughs> I haven't done in my whole life and I will not until I'm finished with my career. My, my, I, might, I might do that after my career. I don't see any benefit. Sure. sure. Well, that's all the quick shots we got. Thanks for coming yeah, on today, g Raf. That was fun. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I guess that's really about it. I was interested to hear. I've always been just curious about all your bike stuff. Honestly, like, because you're one of those guys who seems like a mad scientist with the way he does and in a good way that makes sure he gets it the way you get it the way you want and you run it for a purpose. So it's been curious you know like the tires you gave me a good answer yeah but you know i i get i get so many people asking me on how to set up their bike or like even pros like even yeah. even there's even even pros coming and like hey man what do you what would you suggest you know yeah and the only thing is don't be scared to try something that people would say is ridiculous okay. i really like uh, the walter segers the belgian guy mm -hmm. he he's running 1.35 road tires right now oh my goodness and you know what i just ordered them really <laughs> yeah because everyone hit me up i should run 1.75 so i will put on 1.35 for the next race <laughs> no but you know it's just for me for me it's try and error there has been stuff that i have like putting on my bike and it just didn't work okay. and at the end you have to feel good on the bike mm -hmm. but if in theory something is faster yeah. I will work on it until it feels good enough. Okay. You know, when I was, for example, in Rio and the couple of races before, I was riding a zero offset fork. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And the Five first time you get on the bike, it feels like shit. You can't, like, if you're recovery post having it, yeah, you yeah. can't leave your hands off the bar, you crash. It just, it won't, like, impossible, impossible to ride right. with your hands off the bar if you have <laughs> zero offset forks. Okay. Like, impossible. So it really feels weird. Yeah. But I, I felt like it worked. Like, it worked for me at that time, and I have not done it now because it's so much work. Okay. Like, it's a lot of work, and we haven't done it with, this, with the forks of Prophecy either. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, just the advice for bike setup is just go try stuff that makes sense in theory, mm -hmm. and then see if you can handle it. Okay. I, here's, here's a funny <laughs> would you rather. Terry, I think you took this one off, but now I'm, it's just a joke question. It's really funny. So would you rather? Would you rather... Okay, race on an oversized 20-inch with your 1.6 tires or race on a 20-inch with, like, 1.95 tires. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, it well, has to be one of the, the other. The OS20 is a 1.6 tire, or can I run a 1.35? A <laughs> <laughs> 1.6. Um, it depends. Well, I, have, I don't know the, the circumference. It's just, just, it's just yeah. a random question. Oh, 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 oh,
skinny uh, wheels. Me too, Mark. Fuck nine, fuck one nine. <laughs> Let's ride a cruiser on Supercross. We need to bring cruiser back. <laughs> hey, we were just talking about it. We, we had the theory going on the like in the hallway in front of our rooms. Renault and Simon asked, like, "Hey, David, come out, come out. We have a theory <laughs> on a track like like here. The 1.75 tire is faster to the first turn. You know, you might lose a little bit on the hill." But then once it's going, you're faster to the first turn. And that was like, yeah, I don't know. You know, yeah. it's so hard to say. And then we were talking about, would you be faster to the first turn riding a cruiser? No, you wouldn't. You would fucking front flip the first jump because you hit your ass on the road. Yep. <laughs> that, that's, exa- that's exactly what would happen. Um, well, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks, boys. That was fun. Thanks to ProGate Europe. You guys are on ProGate Europe this weekend. James, we'll be fine. James, I know the timing's critical for you. How's the timing? How's the timing? Is it fast? What are we What are we working with? I don't. I don't want to talk about it. It's not. Come like, on. It's not as fast as I want it to be. Oh, uh, like last year. Like last year. It's a little bit slow. Yeah. Cause here's. You want to know the theory? My problem is because we raced in. Here's what I'm thinking. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> we opened. We opened a can of worms. The gate was fast. I loved it. It was fantastic. Okay. We went home. The gate was fast. Rode it. Fantastic. Went to Rock Hill, gave us fast, loved it, fantastic. And all of a sudden, <laughs> got older, and it was good. But I was like, okay, I liked it. But for some reason, it wasn't as fast as those three, let's say. It was fine. But then we went to Manchester, and I couldn't gate for the life of me. And I don't know if it was because I was super sick or whatnot. Couldn't gate. <coughs> and now that I've been here, I want it to be faster. Well, Manchester's fast, too. I didn't think it was that fast. Okay. And now I get here, and I don't think it's that fast. I didn't think Papandal last year was that fast, too. either. They should tell me, yeah, should I listen to them? How to do a slow gate? Train on a slower gate and then go around. <laughs> that's what, honestly, I think that's the best way. I think training on a slow gate's the best. I hate training on a fast gate because then every gate feels slow. Yeah, Terry, so you know the old bear on Beijing and Chula, that gate was slow. Yeah. I finally, in the wintertime, I felt like I got it dialed. I was competitive on the slow gate. I was like really happy. And then as soon as we went to Oldsmar and it went fast, I forgot how to do the slow gate. And I'm, I've been pissed. Dude, it's the yeah, same. That, it's the same. It's the same shit. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Yeah. It's the same shit. It's not the same shit. They're all different. No, you just well, just plus just plus relax a little. Faster. Can we agree on that? Like, yeah. we, we run faster gates now. It's so much easier to not hit the gate, like compared to the past. In the past, it was really hard to not hit the gate. Yeah, yeah for sure. You like that? No, I really do. I think it's awesome. Okay. Because I mean, it's a skill too. Like I think it's a skill, but like Tori, we've talked about it, right? You remember like it's I think a faster gets better because you have more equal racing out enough to start. Yeah, I don't th- yeah, I don't necessarily think we should hit the gate, in my opinion. Okay. So you would you would like to have the gate almost dropping away from you? Um <laughs> it, I think there's a balance. Like I think the gate should be fast, but not so fast, for instance, that it's dropping before we're even coming off of it. But I don't think okay. it should be necessarily slow. Is my point because I don't think like if I don't think like hitting the gate or whatever I don't think it makes for better racing. Yeah, well, I don't mind. I don't mind uh, because I, I I do quite good with fast gates, mm-hmm. but I I enjoyed the like the pressure you have on a slower gate. Yeah, because like it's tough. Ima- imagine having like back back in the days, like way back in the days, mm-hmm. we had like when do you go? Ah, oh, second orange count to two. <laughs> Imagine having that in a World Cup main. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, it's tough. Just like, it's a different mindset you have to go in there. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't care, whatever. Yeah. Carlos Carlos is always turning up the pressure if it's too, too slow. Just tell Carlos, 
he will, he, will, he will turn up the pressure and it's going down. Oh, yeah, he loves it. He loves it. And si since you guys are like sponsored by Pro, like by ProGate. ProGate Europe, baby. Best one, get yours today. Just tell him he should. I, I think, up. honestly, I think they've done a better job. Like, they've been quicker, like, in the past year, like you said. They've yeah. gotten faster. Yeah. The new Pro Gates are definitely, I think, faster and more consistent than the, yeah, the old man. ones. You have been in Paris last year. Oh, that was impossible at first. The, when we first got there the week before, it was so fast. It was faster than racing, and let me tell you, that was fast. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, even in racing, it was still it was super fast. fast. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like both. I, I, I'm really prone to hit the gate a lot, so I, I prefer the, the fast gate for racing, but I, I train a lot on slower gates. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. All right, boys. Good luck this weekend. Hold it down. Thank you. Have fun watching the stream. Um, might, might do a coffee chatter like commentator like Sam did in the past just to see if you can do a better job. I should look into that. That'd be fun. We got told that we should do like a, a main, watch J the main event over and do like a mini podcast just discussing things that happen in a main event. Oh, who said that? Oh, man. That'd be pretty interesting. <laughs> who said that? Lucas was telling me that. He watched it, he's watched it like on, a, I don't know, maybe mountain bike events or something. And he was saying that we should make a video of ourselves like uh, replaying the main and commentating over it but like going back and like showing things talking about different things that happened oh that'd be so cool the job bmx live should do sure <laughs> so we'll basically do a janky version of the live webcast you what we'll basically do a janky version of the live webcast yeah that would be great yeah janky mm -hmm. view over mm. press day was already amazing oh yeah press day <laughs> press day was in full force already <laughs> like create some hype man yeah, yeah people gotta know press day baby get the media out there all right, boys, have fun. Yeah, thanks, bro. Bye. See you guys. Bye.